Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, we're going to turn to an Old Testament passage all the way back at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. And we're going to go to the 42nd chapter, Genesis chapter 42. I'm going to share with you a message this morning entitled, Loving the Not-So-Lovable. Loving the Not-So-Lovable. As we think about that, ask the question, what is love? What is love? What does it mean to us when we hear that word? What do we understand? We start with the basics. The basics is that we might say love is an emotion. Uh, it's an affection for or an attachment to someone or something. Okay? That would be a very basic understanding. Love means to delight in or to take pleasure in someone or something. Look back over the course of time, there are thousands and thousands of songs that are love songs, songs that talk about love. A couple of those that immediately come to my mind were both released in 1965. Now, before you get carried away, I was only a few years old in 1965, okay? So it's not like I sang these songs, but they've been popular over the years. One of them is entitled, Love Makes the World Go Round. Love Makes the World Go Round. That's an interesting thought and idea. And then another one says this, what the world needs now is love whole lot of love. You think about that and how true, even though those, those songs were released in 1965, how true both of those titles are in our world today, in our current culture. It seems that if we don't agree or we don't support or we don't see eye to eye with the thoughts of someone else's opinion, then all of a sudden we're haters. Or, or we're something horrible, we hold a prejudice, or we have a judgmental attitude, or we're narrow-minded, or we're far-right-winged, if you would. And you think about that, that we have reached a point in our culture and our society where we seem not to be able to disagree without becoming immediate enemies of one another. If you can't agree with me, if you can't support my opinion or my viewpoint, then we are enemies with one another. So I think about that, and I think about the decisions that people make, the way that they act, the things that they say, the things that they do, and, and sometimes it makes people hard to love. You know somebody like that? That, that you, you know them or... Or, or you are familiar with them and, and the way they act and the things that they do and the things that they say and the, and the way that they behave, it, it makes it real hard to love them. It makes it hard to like them, let alone love them. Yet, God's Word calls us as believers to love even our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. And so my question is, how do we do that? How do we love our enemy? How, how do we pray for those who persecute or intentionally attack us? 
And this morning, I want us to look at an Old Testament character who can help us to learn some lessons, not, not every single aspect, but help us to learn some lessons about how to love those that are not so lovable. And that Old Testament character's name is Joseph. If you remember a little bit about the story of Joseph in his life, it was a story that, um, that from the beginning was difficult and challenging for him. And so we want to turn back to that beginning real quick before we get to chapter 42. Turn back with me a few pages, if you would, to chapter 37. Chapter 37, the first five verses, tell us kind of the beginning of Joseph's story. And this is what it says. Now, Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned, in the land of Canaan. And these are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah and his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them and to their father. Now, let's stop right there. The first thing that we see about Joseph as a young man is that he was a tattletale. I mean, let's be realistic. Nobody likes a tattletale. He was out shepherding the flock. And it says that he brought back a bad report about his brothers to his father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. Okay? Joseph and his coat of many colors, a very, very colored tunic. So, let's begin to set the stage a little bit more. First off, he's a tattletale. I'm going to come back and tell you everything my brother's doing they shouldn't be doing. Those guys are bad. Says what? Oh, he was dad's pets. Dad loved him more than any of the other children. Why? He had a favorite. Joseph was a favorite because why? He was his child of his age, his, his old age. And he loved him so much and he wasn't afraid to demonstrate that love that he gave him a coat of many colors, a multicolored tunic. It set him apart from everyone else. It made him a bit different than his siblings, and they quickly recognized that. Let's pick up and continue in that story in verse 4. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Wow. So that's the first thing that I want us to see in regards to this story and what we can learn about loving those that aren't so lovable is that the seeds of conflict were sown early and often in Joseph's life. The seeds of conflict were sown early and often in Joseph's life. First, he was a tattletale. First, he came back and told everything that was going on with his brothers that, that was not pleasant or acceptable. Second, his father loved him more than others, wasn't afraid to demonstrate that, gave him a coat of many colors. And the Scripture says that because of this love, because he was set apart, 
because he was a tattletale and all of these things that we're learning about him, all of these seeds of conflict between he and his brothers, it says they hated him. And they hated him so passionately that they couldn't even talk to him on good terms. In other words, any communication that was exchanged between them was, was heated. It was an argument. It was a conflict. It was a problem because of these things that were unfolding in his life. Now, let's look at verse 5. See what it continues to say. Then Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers, they hated him even more. Wow. <laughs> so, interesting. They hated him. They hated him to the point that they could not communicate with him in any type of civil terms. It was always a conflict, always a problem, always expression of that hatred. And then he had a dream, and he came to tell him about his dream. And the Scripture says, wow, they hated him even more. How do you hate worse than that? I mean, we, we can't even talk civilly to you. We can't get along. We don't want to speak to you. don't want anything to do with you. And now that you've told us about your dream, we hate you even more. Conflict between family members, between brothers who saw each other as very unlovable, who saw each other as an enemy, a person that was in opposition to one another. And so that's the type of person we're talking about today. Understanding that the seeds of conflict are sown in life. And different things bring about those seeds of conflict. Different circumstances and situations cause us to be at odds with other people. Cause us to look at them differently and they look at us differently. And so we, we have this struggle about this conflict and this issue that makes it hard to, to like, let alone love, other people. And so they are not very lovable. The next thing that I want us to see has to do with the motivation of his brothers that changed his life. We continue to read the story and we know what happened. We know that they had gone out together, that the brothers hated him so much, they despised him so much, that they pushed him into a pit, and their plan was to let him die and to go back and tell their father that something tragic had happened to him. But then suddenly, they saw an opportunity. And the opportunity was, we don't have to kill him. We can sell him. We can get some benefit out of this. And so they sold Joseph into slavery. They took his multicolored tunic and dipped it in blood and went back to their father and told him something tragic had happened to Joseph. I want you to think about the chain of those events and how it changed Joseph's life. Joseph had been the favored one of his father. He had received all kinds of blessings and encouragement and support in his life. Always at odds and conflict with his brothers, but suddenly their hatred motivated them to take an act that changed his life forever. 
He would not go back home to his father. He would not be in his favor. He would not receive those blessings. Instead, he would be sold into slavery and eventually end up in prison because of his convictions and his heart. Again, at odds with someone else. At conflict with someone else. There was a a problem. There was a struggle. And so Joseph's life was changed forever, but so was his brothers. If we look in chapter 42, where we begin our thoughts this morning, they eventually come and they stand before Joseph, and, and he disguises himself so that they don't know that it's him, but he knows who they are. And eventually... When all of these things begin to unfold because of the famine of the land, one of the brothers says this. It's, it's vengeance of the Lord coming back to repay us for what we've done. And so you stop and you think about that for a moment. And what it says to me is this, that for all of these years, they've been carrying around the guilt of what they had done. They've been carrying around the guilt of the pain and the sorrow and the mourning of their father at the loss of his son. They were carrying around the guilt of Joseph being sold into slavery. They were carrying around the fear of being found out. What if somehow, some way, through the course of time and through conversation, Dad was to find out what they'd done? And so they were living in fear. They were riddled with guilt. And they struggled through life. And so not only did their decision and their motivation change their lives, it changed Joseph's life, it changed their father's life, their decision changed everyone's life. Sometimes events in life change things for us. And they're never going to be the same again. Sometimes events bring about for us a change that that we can never go back to where we were before. And that's exactly where we find the characters, the brothers and the father and everyone in the story today. So, what lessons can we learn about loving the unlovable? Well, the first thing is that I want us to learn that our confidence in God needs to be quiet and humble. Our confidence in God needs to be quiet and humble. Think about Joseph. Think about the fact that he knew his brothers hated him. He knew that there was a conflict because he was the favorite. And when he had a dream, what did he do? Just went and spouted off about it. Hey, I had this dream. Let me tell you all about it. His confidence was in God. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we need to have some humility. Sometimes we need to keep that thought to ourselves of our trust and confidence in God. Because what he did spurred his brothers to a greater hatred than they already had for him. Imagine if he had remained humble. Imagine if he had kept those things to himself what might have happened. So I think we need to learn today part of loving the unlovable is being willing to be quiet and humble 
about our confidence in God. The second thing that I want us to see is this, that the real fruits of character will be shown in our private and personal moments of life. The real fruits of character will be shown in our private and personal moments of life. We think about Joseph's story. And we think about the fact that when he was sold into slavery, that Joseph continued in prayer. He continued to seek God and to serve God. He continued to desire to do what God had called him to in his life. And in regard to that, his character continued to grow. Even though he was in slavery, even though he ended up in prison, all of the things that he went through in every step, in every phase, in every situation, under every circumstance, he remained faithful to the Lord. He continued to pray and seek God's will for his life. And in the midst of that, time after time after time, his character was proven. In his private life, in his personal life, in his encounter with others, over and over and over again, the character of Joseph was revealed and was proven time and time again. And so part of being able to love the unlovable is that we have a character that is above reproach. That we have a character that we are consistently praying and seeking God's will and God's purpose for our life and to do what He's called us to do, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation or the challenges or the difficulties in life, we continue to seek God's will and to fulfill God's purpose in our life. We continue to pray and desire to obey Him and be faithful to Him. And that's exactly what Joseph did. He was in prison. He was a slave. He was a servant. He went through all of these experiences, and yet in every one of them, his character was proven because he was faithful to the Lord. Next thing that we need to learn about this is, is this, and it's very important, that there are no excuses for sin. There are no excuses for sin. It's real easy come up with a reason why. It's real easy to rationalize an event or a sin or something in our life. And Joseph never did that. Joseph never rationalized. He never tried to explain away anything. There are no excuses for sin. That we are to remain faithful and obedient to the Lord and and that we do not allow ourselves to rationalize or, or to try to explain away some behavior or act in our life of sinfulness. And Joseph never did that. Finally this. There are few truths that can change our lives like the truth that God is in control. There are few truths that can change our lives like the truth that God is in control. We go all the way through chapter 42, and it tells us the story of Joseph's encounter with his brothers years later, after being sold into slavery, after going through prison, after rising to be the second in command in the nation of Egypt, and all of the things that were going on, we find time and time again that Joseph is found faithful to the Lord, obedient to Him. 
And in every instance, he recognizes that God is in control. Look with me at 42 for just a moment. Now, Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. And Jacob said to his sons, Why are you staring at one another? You know what? I think that's such an interesting statement. It's, it's where our modern term comes from, why are we just sitting around looking at each other, right? Let's do something. We're just sitting here looking at each other. There's a famine. We know that there's grain. Everything's wasting away. And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. Hey, listen, why are we sitting around here looking at each other? Let's do something. Let's go buy some grain or bring it back so that we don't die, so that we can survive. Then ten brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, I am afraid that harm may befall him. He learned something from life early on in the experience with Joseph, didn't he? And so this time he took a precaution. Nope, he's not going with you guys. So the sons of Israel came to buy grain among those who were coming, and for the families, for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the ruler over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him and their faces to the ground. It's come full circle. And here we are again. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, Where have you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he had had, had about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to look out at the undefended parts of our land. And, of course, there's an exchange that goes back and forth. No, we're not. Yes, you are. No, you're spies. No, we're not spies. He sends them away. They come back for a second visit. There's an additional encounter that takes place here. He tells them they have to come back and they have to bring Benjamin or their younger brother. He didn't say Benjamin, but your younger brother. And then in, ver- in chapter 45, Joseph's revelation of his identity to his brothers. And he could not control himself, in verse 1, before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me? So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept loudly, so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And then he says this, listen to these words, loving those that are not so lovable. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. 
Joseph still loved his brothers. After all of the hatred, after everything that had happened, after all these events, he still loved his brothers. And when he finally revealed to him who he was, he began to weep. He couldn't control himself any longer. And he told them exactly who he was. Turn over with me to, to chapter 50. I want to read just a few verses as we prepare to close. And listen to what he says beginning in verse 19 of chapter 50. So interesting. But Job, Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. And as for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons and also of Machir and son of Manasseh, who born of Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brothers, listen to this, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. Joseph continually believed the truth that God was in control. In everything in his life, he said, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. He was in control. He brought me to this place, he was in control. I, I went through slavery, I went through prison, I've gone through all these things, he was in control. Why? To bring me to this point in this place so that many people's lives would be saved. Why? Because God was in control. And he believed that so much. That he said, I want you to swear to me. I want you to take an oath and a vow right now that you believe upon my death, God will continue to be in control and take care of your life. I believe that we can learn to love those that are not so lovable by always believing the truth that no matter what happens, what comes, God is in how do we learn to love those not so lovable? Put our confidence in God. Have genuine Christian character. Make no excuses for sin. And trust that God is always.